I spent weeks now, weeks, literally trying to take this sermon and move down, to, to condense it down a little bit. Man, there's, there's so much about heaven in the Bible that we, we need to think about. It's what we need to dwell on in our minds and our hearts. It's one of the greatest places I've ever been. There's a, there's a song that, that I used to sing. I bowed on my knees and cried holy. And it talks about walking through the streets of heaven. Man, I think about that all the time. Walking through the streets of heaven and finally getting to see Jesus. We get to see all of those guys, Paul and Peter and, and John. And we get to see all the disciples. We get to see all the people who've gone before us. But then there's Jesus. Wow. He's the author and finisher of our faith. What a great opportunity that is. So I want us to look a little bit about heaven this morning and what, what it looks like and how do we get there. John, the 14th chapter, Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples because he was going to be leaving them quickly. Now, all kinds of things had happened. In, in the 13th chapter, Jesus had come in and washed the disciples' feet. And, and that was an unbelievable thing. It was the servant of servants' job to wash a person's feet when they came in your house. And, and Jesus started washing the disciples' feet. And, and that was a, just a, the magnitude of that, the thought pattern of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords washing your feet. Wow. We get to the 14th chapter and it says this. Do let, not let your hearts be troubled. You've trusted in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by means of me, through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father's well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There's a huge question. Do you know Jesus? Well, I... I cannot believe that in the Bible Belt, all over the southern part of the United States, we don't know about Jesus. In fact, I cannot believe that anybody in the world, we come down to Christmas time and this time of year, and, and it's all over the place. You see manger scenes, you see this and TV shows and so on and so forth that they know about Jesus. But knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus are two different things. That's a long ways apart. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 7, many will come to me that day and say, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that and didn't we do the other? And he will say to them, mm, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And that's a personal relationship that he's talking about there. I never knew you face to face. I never knew who you are, because you did not accept me. I am the only way to get to God. You did not accept me as your Savior and Lord. I don't know you. I don't know you. I believe with all of my heart, if you go back to the book of Genesis, that God lays out a plan that He walks with us and talks with us in the cool of the day. Every single day, God hungers for a relationship with His people. He hungers for that time that you and He come together and, and, and get to know each other. No other way to do that except spend time with Him. 
These guys had spent three years with Jesus, walking and talking with Him, and they still didn't get it. But I wonder, do you know Jesus? The only way you're ever going to get to heaven and to that place that God has got prepared for you, by the way, is to know Jesus. No other way. You say, well, that's, that's pretty myoptic. That's pretty, pretty narrow-minded. I will tell you that Christianity is the most narrow-minded that you will ever find anywhere. Only through Jesus Christ, only through a relationship with Him, can you find that happiness and peace that you're looking for? Can you find that place called heaven? It doesn't stop there, though. Over in the book of, of 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to be going a lot over the Bible today. Over the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul writes this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Would you agree with that? I, I promise you that I'm not 20 years old anymore. Man, I get over in that house and start working over there, and I figure that out pretty quickly. Can't do what I used to do. Wasting away outwardly in this body. Knees don't work anymore. Hips don't work anymore. No more strength. Wow. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And that only happens with a relationship with Christ that is a day-by-day -day relationship God wants to renew you daily in your spirit. God wants to, to fill you up with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control to fill you up with those things every day. But you're going to have to let Him. It's a choice in your life that you're going to have to make. Being renewed inwardly day by day. For our, our, for our light and momentary troubles are our achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Wow. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Wow. It's not just, it's not just something we do. It's a way we live. It permeates everything we are. That we set our sights on heaven. Paul writes over in the, in the book of Romans chapter 8. Let me get the verse on that. Chapter 8 verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Wow. No matter what you're going through. By the way, God has promised that He'll be with you through all things. Abundant life doesn't start when we get in heaven. Abundant life starts right now. He walks with us and talks with us every moment of the day. I will be with you even to the ends of the age, Jesus says. It's an everyday thing. But Paul, who had been through all the shipwrecks and, and been beaten, I mean, he was preaching in, in, in Lystra, and they beat him so bad they left him for dead. He went to Derby and started preaching again. Wow! I don't know if I'd have done that. All of these places he got put in prison. He got beat. He got sent to, to Rome finally and beheaded there. And yet Paul writes, I consider these present sufferings are nothing, nothing compared to what's going to be revealed in us. Wow. It's a place to set your mind and your heart. I can remember... 
many times either on a football field or, or in the military or in a race someplace, and man, you just get wore out. Somewhere in there, uh, Amy's not here this morning. I cannot imagine running a marathon, by the way, because somewhere in that I'd go, I'm done. I'm, I quit this deal. It hurts too bad. I'm done. But you fix your eyes on the goal. You fix your eyes on getting past the, on the cross, crossing that finish line. You fix your eyes on sometimes in the military it was the sun coming up. Man, Lord, if you'll just let me see the sun again, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. But we as Christians fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We fix our eyes on heaven and we start considering what God has got for us is just unbelievable. It excites us. It keeps us going. It moves us. Paul writes, writes this to the young Timothy, a young preacher that he had taken under his arm and, and maybe um, even would call him a son in the ministry. He writes this in the, in the book of, of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for departure. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness. You know the Bible talks about five crowns. The crown of righteousness, the crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of glory, and the crown of rejoicing. This for every single person that believes. Every single person that knows Jesus. Can you imagine a future so bright and so awesome that, that when you get before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, He places a crown on your head. Wow. That's unbelievable to think about. You don't just win. You win big. You don't just win, but you win it all. He places a crown on your head and you're able to give that back to Him. Wow. You're King and you're God loves you that much. Not only, not only do you get a crown, but there's something that I think about all the time. I like Max Licato, and Max writes in his book, When God Whispers Your Name. It's one of my favorite books. I read it over and over again. And he writes in there that, you know, Max is the favorite name of dogs. So he don't know what his parents were thinking when they named him Max. But one day, his future is so bright and so unbelievably awesome. What he, God has got for him and, and ready for him is a new name. A new name. A new identity in heaven. We go to the book of Revelation, and, and I told you before, I believe that Revelation, I believe we can learn a lot about end times in it. But I think sometimes we do too much deciphering and not enough reading about in Revelation about what's going to happen. We want to worry about all that's going to take place at the end and we miss the whole point entirely. The whole point comes from, from this elderly, old disciple who had seen all of his friends pass away, by the way, in horrible ways. They had been killed in all kinds of various ways. He's the only one left. He'd been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He was in Ephesus now, which is modern-day Turkey. He's 95 years old. He had been through a lot of stuff. And I really believe that he was questioning. I believe he was going, God, is this all worth it? You know, people say, I'm going to live till you come back. Wow. I'm about tired. 
And I believe in that moment, in that time, Jesus comes to him, the disciple that he loves, and he goes, John, let me show you. Let me show you everything. Now, John couldn't possibly, possibly take all that in. He, all that, that, that God saw, he wrote down as much as he could, but he couldn't possibly take all that's in all through the ages when, when the end finally comes. But this letter went out to all of the churches. 2,000 years ago, by the way, this letter went out to the churches. Can you imagine them trying to decipher? They've never seen a phone or a cell phone or, or, or cars or any of the things that, that possibly John saw. I don't know what all he saw. He couldn't put it all down. But it went to the different churches. And we find this in the letters to the churches, which I believe are to us today. In chapter 2, verse 17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, that person who abides in God, who will not lose his faith, that person who grabs a hold, I will give some of the hidden manna. I'll also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Wow. It's going to be a good day when God gives you a new name. I've been called a lot of things over the ages. Some of them good, some of them bad. But I cannot wait to find that name that God is going to give me. Who my true identity is. He writes in, to the church at Sardis in, in chapter 3. He who overcomes will, will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the church, Spirit says to the churches. And then over in uh, chapter 3, also in verse 12, He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I'll also write on him my new name. Wow. That's what's waiting for us, folks. Can you imagine that moment when we see Jesus face to face and we really are revealed to us who we really are? How God sees us. Not how the world sees us. Not how, how people have portrayed us over the years. But how the King of Kings who made us sees us. Your new name. What, a, what an awesome awesome inheritance that we're going to have what a great place to be in what what a place where we go and and the god of the universe writes on on us his name you're mine and this is proof wow that's a good day that's a good day then revelation 20 actually 21 it says this man we've heard this a hundred times and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor warning, nor crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. I love that word right there. It's a, it's a word that's only used here in the Greek, by the way. It's a word that means 
completely like you've never seen before new. It's not like old Dave who goes out here and buys a 10-year-old car and that's a new car to him. It's not even like you going and buying that brand new pickup that's sitting on the, on the lot right now. It's not that kind of new. This word means it's new like you've never, ever even dreamed of before. It's like God is bringing us to that place that, that is new, that's unbelievably made by Him that no architect has ever thought about. It's that kind of new. Nobody's ever seen it before. God made it Himself. I'm making everything new, He said. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's finished. It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first letter and last letter in the Greek alphabet. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I'll give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. And he who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I'll be his God. And he'll be can you imagine that day? It's hard for me to conceive right now, even though God says it over and over in His words, that I have been adopted by Him. I'm His child. I'm a prince of the King. It's hard for me to, to grab that concept. It's hard for me to, to grab the concept of what heaven looks like, a place that, that, is, that is unbelievably beautiful, but a place where there's only peace, where there's a place there's no hardship, no pain, a place where we worship God and God alone. It's hard for me to conceive that. I believe it's true because God's Word says it. But I can grasp this. That the King of kings and Lord of lords loves me so much, He'll not only call me His son, but He's given me a new name. He's given me a new name. That place I want to go to. That place I want to be. John ends the, the book of Revelation or the letter of Revelation, if you want to call it that, with these words. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. It's finished. I agree. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Wow. All of us need a motivation to keep going sometimes. Some of you, when we get to the point where our kids are out of the house and so on and so forth, you can get to the point where you think, wow, why am I even here anymore? What good is this life? But I'm going to tell you, that the good of this life is God. He's got a place for you. Why is that important? Because we need to share with, there is a, a whole world. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, 2,000 years ago this, this book was written. 2,000 years. They were doing the same thing then that we were now. All the hardship, all the pain, all of the suffering, all of the bad things going on were going on then also. And we've got a responsibility to God to share His good news with everybody. I hope within you is a wellspring that says, you know, this world ain't all there is. It don't finish here. 
The Bible says you're going to be an eternal being. Either you're going to live in heaven with God, not because you deserve it, not because you've done good things, but because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Are you going to go to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth? Period. We're eternal beings. Forever and ever. What about you today? For one thing, sometimes it's pretty easy for me to get down. Can't do what I used to do. Can't see like I used to see. Can't get along like I used to. Not strong anymore. And then I think about that God's got a purpose for me here. And my goal is not to do what I used to do, but to do what God's got for me to do right now. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's the one preparing a place for me. He's the one who's given me salvation. He's the one who's done all things. He's the one who's, who's got my name written in the, in the book of life. He's the one who's given me a brand new name. It ought to fire us up to get to that place. To share Jesus with every person that we come in contact with. Because he wants them to have that new name too. He wants them to have that kind of inheritance. Wow. Knocks all the gloom and doom away, does it not? Gives us a new hope. So this morning... First of all, if you've never made that choice, maybe you know about Jesus, maybe you've been in church your whole life, maybe you've read the Bible through. I've got a friend of mine from the Army that has read the Bible through. The guy's brilliant, and I haven't seen him in a long, long time, but he, would, he did that just so he'd argue. On his dog tags, it had Satanist. That's what his religion was. Wow. I pray for repentance for him over and over again. But he knew the Bible. Maybe you're there and you know the Bible, but you don't know the God of the Bible. Maybe even uh, at six years old, seven years old, I walked down the aisle at Swinson Baptist Church because my friends were going and, and, and I went up and got dunked. And then at 14 years old, I met the God of the universe. Have you done that? Do you know him? Do you know him? If you have, then rejoice. With every ounce of your being, rejoice. Man, your inheritance is fantastic. What he's got for you is unbelievable. Set your mind on that. Set your mind on that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you for every person in this room that's hearing God, I pray for those that are hurting right now. I pray for those that, God, have left you, left the faith. I pray for those, Father, that, that maybe today they've suddenly realized, I don't really know the God of the Bible. I know about him, but I don't know him. Today is a day of repentance and turning your life around. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for heaven. All of the things that there is to be thankful for about being one of your children. It's got to be the greatest of all. 
And right now my entire being thanks you, Father, that you've prepared that place for me. And every person that's here, a crown of righteousness, Father, is ours. Oh, Father, I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're going to do. I give you praise for all things, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stay seated where you're at. I'm going to ask Brent to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. God's inviting you in these moments, in these quiet, still moments. He's inviting you to be one of His. He's inviting you to come back if you know that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. He's inviting you. And He's inviting you to set your eyes away from all the stuff going on and set your eyes on Jesus and Him alone. Would you do it today?